This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, everybody. Carm Capriato back in the Apex 2022 studio, the Apex studio. And I have Kent Bullard. He is, I think, the official president of the Cool Kids Club. Sure. Is that possible? Is that what we're going to call it? Yeah, I Do think I so. have to be president? Can someone else? Since I always officiate these kinds of things <laughs> and then I walk away. No, I'm going to volunteer you to be. And it's really I'm funny. It. Why are we talking about it? First of all, Kent Bullard, <laughs> COO of uh, the Institute. And uh, we're excited to be in St. Pete's with you in Florida at the end of January, early February for your summit. Oh, yeah. How cool is that? And so we have kind of bumped into Ken and with Tracy being on board and being a millennial. Kent, you're a millennial. Mm -hmm. I am in this youthful buzz, Kent. And I can't remember how it all came up. Maybe remind me. But all of the millennials that are in our industry, thank God, are all talking about Listen, we need to stick together, stay together. We need to do stuff together. Hey, plan to be at Apex 2023, October 31st through November 2nd. Apex will build upon the incredible success of Joe's Garage, a full 10-bay working environment. If you earn your living in the auto service aftermarket, then Apex is for you. Hey, don't waste your tech's time while you start an RO from scratch. Dispatch faster. So they get on with the repair with ShopWare's software-exclusive Expediter. Your staff saves time, works more accurately, and speeds up service on the web at GetShopWare.com. Look at how many of the young people are coming in. What's the industry going to look like in the next 10 years? Who are the key players that are probably going to be stepping out? And who are the people that are going to be stepping in? You who know? are the shapers yep. of tomorrow? We're walking back from some dinner. We're walking back and we just were like... Man, we have an opportunity here. Somebody's going to do it. Why not us? Yeah. I mean, Sarah, Tracy, Lisa, go down the list. Joel, go down the list of all these great young minds in the business. So I want to help that movement. I actually want to do a lot of podcasts with as many young people as I possibly can and ask them the kind of questions. How are you learning what you're learning? The immersion into our industry. And what do you see that we should be doing different? It was uh, just before this, you know, I'm, I'm talking to Tracy and we were kind of going about and I'm like, how is it building an empire, you know? The amount of time that I've got to spend with all of these phenomenally experienced and intelligent people is just, it's such a blessing. Like, how cool is that, you know, I have that opportunity. I'm like, I've had the same experience. I came in 11 years ago and I've just had nothing but amazing mentors and leaders in this industry to just sit and listen and absorb from. And it's just been a, an absolute blessing to have that. When I speak and talk to millennials who are just sharing this. Yeah. I can't hesitate to think of the career path that I've had and all that I have learned and purposefully learned and absorbed. And I didn't lose anything I was experiencing. I always said, what can I learn from that? Yeah. And how could, how could I be better? And then seven years ago to become a podcaster. And I am the one who's truly honored to have you, your dad, and every coach in the industry, and all the trainers from business management to technicians, and the hundreds and hundreds of shop owners that I've interviewed that have told their story, I'm so honored, and I'm continuing to learn from it. But let's not trap ourselves, I mean, to the point of the whole youth movement, let's not trap ourselves in the concepts that have worked in the past. I'm relying on you, Kent, and the youth to fix and change and move and take us forward. 
because maybe there's some new KPIs we need to start measuring that have not even been thought of. We get the benefit of seeing where a lot of pitfalls have happened. You guys did the dirty work to figure out the lessons. And so we get to see the repercussions of that and go, okay, we can do it differently. We can do something other than that, sure. you know, and we have that opportunity to, to either repeat itself or learn and apply yeah. and do things differently and better for the next time. Be organized. And my point is, is oh, yeah. Thank you for saying Sorry. yes. Yes. No, you said yes right away. <laughs> and I didn't have to explain it to myself. So you agree if we don't sit down purposefully. And I said that word earlier and and collaborate and take each of the experiences from this interesting point of view of our youth looking up and in up to the leaders that we currently have, absorbing what they have, and then looking in with their paradigm. What did you really hear in Cecil's class, Tracy? And how did you interpret that from your perspective on how she learns the gamification that exists in her world and how important all that stuff is? Yeah. You like that lead-in? I like the lead-in. You know, it's funny, because like the first episode I did with you was what's on gamification, and I was freaking out. <laughs> I slammed some energy drinks and I came in and I melted the microphone and I was like, yeah, that was great. All right. And I listened, you know, I listened to it later and I was like, he's never going to invite me back. <laughs> no, you were great. I loved it. I always respected how busy you were having to make sure that I'm crazy busy. That Cecil's legacy. And listen, I was a son of a boss too, SOB. I was, I get the position that you're in Yeah. and you know, your dad's, uh, highly outspoken, uh, charismatic trainer, very passionate for the industry. You don't have any big shoes to fill. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so how are you gamifying yourself into the business? You know, we finally at a point, the merger with RLO a year and a half ago yeah. really shook some things up. We got the best of both worlds in there and we revamped our, all our programs. And, you know, we've got the summit at the beginning of next year to kind of nail in the final nail in the coffin of this transition and the box. Right. And I've been starting to really grow what we've got going on. And so I've actually been able to free up my time. I've got some really talented people under me that are stepping in and taking over the roles that I was juggling. And so I don't have to juggle as much. And the cool thing is, is now I'm at a point where I can start going and having conversations with people like with Sarah, with Tracy with going to camp and doing things where I'm like, okay, so this is where the industry's at now. We've got time, you know, I've got, I don't know how old you are, but I'm 28. I've got a good 40 years in this industry. Let's go, right? What are we doing? And just having the, being able to be present in the room with some of the best, greatest minds on this industry who are at their peak. And I'm just like, man, okay, how do we do this? So the responsibility, I believe, for me, your dad, and every... 50-year-old-plus shop owner and every trainer who's at that age and up has to allow our young people to shape our future. So it's not, look, we need feedback. We need criticism. Right. Constructive criticism. Yeah. Okay. We need just information and guidance and all that, but we also need some freedom to be able to make mistakes and be able to get our feet wet in all of this. And we're at a point now where that's happening. It's really cool to see what's going on in the industry. And being, being able to be a part of that is really exciting. I love how you just analyze that. Give us some freedom. Give us a high five if you like what we're doing. But let us stretch a little bit beyond our skis and be there to pick us up if something happens. Yeah. And if not, together we learn. Listen, everyone learn their own way. 
So the wisdom that we have today came with all kinds of battle scars. So why don't we let our young people shape our future by being there to maybe put a Band-Aid you, on You know it. what I'm tired of hearing? I'm really tired of hearing people talk about how, oh, you know, we're not the old guys club. We're not the, you know, we don't want, like, do you know how much value the gray hairs have, if I'm allowed to call it that? The experience and the... The, the wise old owls. The wise that utilize that. Why not ask questions? Why not pick their brain? Why not yeah, listen to them? They have been through quite a bit. You can leverage that. Thank you for this push into this whole youthful thing. Tracy and I have been talking lately, and uh, we're going to do some pivots in the kind of topics that we're covering and the people that we're having on. I am so committed. I mean, here I'm talking about getting these fifth, fifth graders immersed in our industry and more women. And it's like, okay, great. What about the kids of the shop owners? It goes back to, we need to have more lessons on our legacy people that aren't thinking succession. They'll never be able to take over the business. Why not? Yeah, that's the next question. He's, he's not, he, he might not be exactly who, who you were, but why wouldn't he? He's yeah. had a completely different trajectory than you did. The next question that I would ask is, why don't you get him a coach? Get him a coach. Well, I didn't have one, so why should he or she? Why? You just, oh. got, you got to see Kent's face. He cringed for, in fact, it, it looks very stone cold, your face. It made me a little upset. You know, why wouldn't you want to, if it is your son, yeah. why not set them up better than you had it? Or your daughter. Right? It's yeah. like this double-edged sword where it's like, you know, man, I want to make sure that they have a better life than I did and all this, but hey, they've got to do it the way I did it. And they've got to do the same struggles. I Come on, why not have a little bit of progress and say, look, I already learned that lesson so you didn't have to. I need, okay. I need Let me to share that experience with you so you don't make the same mistake. Yeah. And how can I push you further than I got? I want him or her to have the same sleepless nights at 2 o'clock in the morning that I did. And that's what's going to toughen I, him uh, up. I love the concept. And maybe we could make a big statement here on this podcast to the people that listen <clears> to <throat> us. We got just so many people, loyal listeners. And we're, so we're talking to you. If you've got no plans for succession, but you still have a family, and even if you don't have family, and they're off doing their own thing, and they're happy and thrilled, and you're okay with it, but you've got a solid number one, yeah, and you didn't do coaching, and you've been, if you will, quote, quote, up in quotes, <coughs> successful, then take your COO, your number one, your GM, your heir apparent, who maybe not doesn't even know about it, and get him into a coaching program. Be selfless. Do the right thing. Who do you think is going to lead this industry when you're gone? And so here's the point that uh, it just hit me, Ken. You don't have to be oiled and seasoned and over 40 to get a darn coach. I mean, some of the great young shop you know, owners today. Do you know, I'm so excited. So I was teaching a class at AST, okay? And I always ask a question. I'm like, how many of you is this? This is your first time, right? I was gauged, you know, yeah, how many yeah. texts do I have? How many? Yeah. And more than half the class raised their hand. This is their first time experiencing training. And they were all young people who are inspired and excited about the industry. And I'm like, yes, this is what we need. We need more young blood in here who are excited about this that can be pointed in the right direction. And by the way, these kids aren't stubborn. They are excited. <laughs> they will take everything that you will give them. Yeah. They are the information generation and they're going to soak up every ounce of it that they can and find a way to apply it. And all you have to do is give them permission. Say, yeah, here it is. Here you go. You can do it. And it's like, yeah, I can do it. So when you ask that question and you get the feedback oh. and 50% of the hands go up for their first time, do you feel 
a little. I think I giggled. I think I giggled like loudly. Do you feel pressure? <laughs> that the impact that you're making here as they're maybe their first management trainer that they're ever going to go to, you feel a little stress. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, I got big shoes to fill. You know, my dad, uh, this will probably be published a little while later, yeah, but yeah. my dad had a, a thing going on, broke his foot and uh, wasn't feeling too good. And he actually collapsed in class. Um, yeah, we heard about that. And it's funny because about a week ago, I had this nightmare where my dad passed away. Uh, and it was really real. It was really real. And I woke up and I was just like, I texted my dad in the morning. I was like, Hey, how are you? And he's like, yeah, what's up? I'm at the office. I'm like, oh, uh, okay. And I told him about it. Right. And then I'm in the booth and guy calls me and he says, Hey, your dad's not doing well. He collapsed in class. And I'm like, no way. No, 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 no. I'm not superstitious, I'm but still dreaming. you know, so we go in. he's great. He's doing well. Wow. He's resting and all that. And he's doing, he's doing just fine. Never happened to him in his whole career. But again, those thoughts have just been hitting me all week of like, man, what happens when he's gone? What do I do? I've got all of this stuff, all this responsibility, this mantle that I'm going to have to take on. We have a lot of shops we work with. And being that, hey, I might be the first management trainer you deal with in your career. And that's, I've been thinking a lot about that. So it's yeah. funny you brought that up. Ten, ten years, you're going to be still training, doing your thing. Oh, probably. Changing yeah. the industry. And somebody's going to come up to you and say, I saw I, your class 10 years ago. You were the first guy I went to. And you're going to say, well, thanks for being a client. Yep. Number one. <laughs> you realize that I could help you even more. Hey, if you went to Apex 2022, well, then you realize the incredible commitment that Apex has to the service professional. Repair Shop HQ is your place, along with Joe's Garage, with 10 working bays, you experienced real-life working conditions. Also, the best tech companies from tools and repair to management software. They had their latest and greatest just for you. You also attended technical and business management training right inside Repair Shop HQ with the industry's best and brightest. Work is underway to make next year's Apex 2023 have even more product demos, trending training, marketing, and social media support to help you grow your sales and profits. Remember, if you earn your living in the aftermarket, then Apex is the expo for you. Continue listening as we bring you the latest from Apex 2023. Save the date, October 31st through November 2nd, 2023. If you run more than one shop, you know how vital it is to keep up with how each one is performing. But it can drive you crazy to log in and out of each shop's database as you try to compare KPIs. Well, look, stop making it hard. With Shopware's advanced analytics, you can easily pull all that data into one report. Heck, you can even set up the system to pump it out in a graph or a chart and then email it to you anytime you want. Why tax your brain before you even start looking for trends and wins to celebrate? Let the computer do the work for you. Spend less time sifting through pages of numbers. Now, once you see your business's potential right in front of you, you can take steps to make it even better. And then you can take a night off to enjoy the time you just won back. Benefit, go with the team that created DVX, my friends, at GetShopware.com. This has been an interesting apex, I'll tell you what. For me personally, just all the stuff that I've seen. You look at that and you realize, holy cow, you know, Tracy, we've got a responsibility and we either do something right with it or we don't. But it's not just, hey, we're going to rely on our forefathers to make sure we're making the right choices and take care of everything because they're not going to be hurt forever. 
we actually have to work and grow this industry and take on what we got to take on. Uh, thank you for saying that because we talked about that at dinner last night. Mike Reynolds was here and uh, I can't wait to do this episode with Mike. And Mike says, uh, yeah, I'm back in the bays and see this guy, he's running my company for me. That's a story we have to tell because yeah. there's so many business owners that are so uncomfortable in the CEO role that they'll never really be successful because their heart's somewhere else. He wants to be in the bays. He did what was right and hired somebody to run his company for do, that story, Put somebody that'll do, the, yeah. do right by that position. We need to tell that story. We need to talk to the person yeah. who's doing it, what the relationship is like, and actually how you can actually flip the switch and do it. And maybe an episode like that, a story like that, will continue to improve the industry. You know, mm -hmm. top 10%, 20%, maybe we can get to 25 because people start changing and listening and moving and hiring people to hold them accountable, get good accountants on the team and uh, run a real business. People get smarter every day. We kids, we were always told work smarter, not harder. And we get to the point where we're like not wanting to work hard and we get gripe for it. What a bad <laughs> reputation. <laughs> we're, oh. like, we're like, there's a better way to do this. I, th I feel, give me a minute. I mean, I never looked at the clock, punched the clock, always was there. 50 hours was just the start of the week. And if we fight that, we're never going to be successful in raising a great company with young people in it. I think now's the time for a lot of transition, a lot of change. Yeah. Uh, we need to talk this up more than we ever, ever have. And uh, it's your challenge, Trace, to help us get this done. You and, you and Sarah and Lisa and Kent, you know, you guys got to have your monthly meetings of the Cool Kids Club. The Cool Kids Club reshaping the industry. Kids table's fun. You like the kids table? All right. That sounds fun. At the wedding? Is that how it happens? Like at holidays. Oh, yeah, that's right. Thanksgiving Day yeah. kids table. <laughs> Before we turn on the mic, and it's we always have great conversations, if you will, in the green room, right? Before we flip, we yeah. were talking a little bit about adoption. And Ken said to me, and I think I had known this in the past, that you're an adoptive parent. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Actually, two of my kids. I've got three kids. Yeah. Two of them are adopted. Wow. So. And, and I have two, and they're both adopted. So what's it like? Best, most difficult choice I've ever made. I'm in college. Fun fact, I didn't realize I wasn't stupid until I was out of college. And I was doing technical support for Verizon. Uh, I was dating this girl that I did in high school. We got together. And she was two months pregnant at the time. And I was like, you know what? We don't know where that guy's at. And I'm here and... So let's go for it. I was 19. I started getting my crap in a pile. That was really the time where I, I had to make a big decision of like, hey, what do I really want to do with my life? And my dad, that's also at the same time, my dad was like, hey, I need a secretary to work for the Institute. We're building something that's going to impact the industry. And so I said, this is, this is it. Okay. And so I was all on track. You know, we had Boston, wonderful choice. He's a phenomenal kid, incredibly intelligent, which is not great for me. <laughs> He's fun to deal with. When they're smarter, when they're clever, it's when they're smarter yeah. than you, it's good. She ended up deciding that meth was better than motherhood, and it was a really, really dark time in my life. And again, I was struggling with all of these different choices. I should I stay? Should I take responsibility for this kid? Should I make this my career? Should I go back to college? Should I do? 
what do I do? And uh, growing up with my dad, he's always like, you do what's right. Even if it's hard, no matter what, you do what's right. It's one of our company values too. Do what's right. And I said, this kid's got no one else. The dad, out of the picture, gone. So I got a lawyer. And I went to court. And we had about seven court dates over... I know she just took off. She disappeared for months at a time. And so I just had him. I was struggling, single parent. And eventually the court was like, hey, you actually care. You're here. We're going to grant you custody. And it was a really big struggle. I mean, there was a lot of times where I didn't have the money to do things. Uh, She would flag him on Medicaid. He actually ended up, I had a beautiful challenger, uh, limited edition, 100th anniversary uh, that I got myself before, you know, some of this. And uh, he ended up having a hernia and needed emergency surgery and had gotten incarcerated. And I went to go take him to the doctor and we did the emergency surgery. And they're like, well, you don't, he doesn't have insurance. No, he's got Medicare. They go, no, no. So I look in and she flagged him on her taxes. And so he got double flagged and they took him off Medicaid. So I had this, you know, $17,000 bill and that's why I don't have that car anymore. You know? So there were times where it was very, very rough. And I don't know if I'd make it, I made the, did I make the right choice? Am I the right? Should I be the father? Should I care for this kid? And uh, I was like, just keep going. You did the right thing. You keep doing the right thing. Right. Make the right choices. Right. Keep going. He had a lot of trouble because during the time where I was fighting, it wasn't even a fight. She didn't do anything. He was dealing with all of her guys. She was bringing around. He went through a lot of abuse. And so there's a lot of therapy. There's a lot of coaching. He's had a lot of trouble, but we're now in a wonderful point. He's a good kid. He's really sharp. Thank God. How old is he? He's nine years old now. Wow. And, uh, He's a, he's a writer. He writes stories and they're beautiful, you know? So I'm getting emotional. That's okay. Buddy. Um, but you were talking about your adoption story and I'm like, I'm like, Hey, you know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I, I've been there, you know? Yeah. And you have these thoughts like, I don't know if you have those thoughts, but I definitely have those thoughts. Like, did I make the right choice? Am I a good father? Yeah. Am I doing the right thing? Right. Should I have pursued this? Yeah. Well, you I know, I think if you care your heart out, it's not hard to answer the question, did I do the right thing? And for Ann and I, you know, we were trying to have kids for 10 years. Yeah. And the whole process, the story of, of this adoption, I can't tell it without breaking down. People say, um, the kids are so lucky when they see us with the kids. And we say, no, we're the lucky ones. It's the other way around. Man, the decisions, the difficult choices I've had to make, the, the struggles I've gone through, I don't think I could have done that had I not had somebody that I was responsible for everything. Well, thanks for sharing. And uh, let's move back to gamification because you and I did this <laughs> Great episode. Great segue. Thank you. Great segue, by the way. Uh, uh, excuse me. <laughs> uh when I did that episode with you at Vision a while back, yeah. you did gamification. I can't tell you, I think it's more important now than ever. It's a different model of motivation that you have to deal with the younger generation. They're not motivated by the same things. Yeah, and so let's share with the audience what kind of... And again, I wish I had come up with a, a different word than gamification. That's just the term. It's the term. It makes so much sense if you let it in. Let it in and realize yeah. that the people that we work with today in the younger generation, they want something to work for. They want it to be fun. They want it to be fun. They want to be engaging. We watched our entire, like we watched our parents, you know, struggle through 
work late nights and deal with all that. And it's like, man, we don't want that for ourselves. And they told us, I don't want that for you. Right. We were told, don't do that. Right. Don't accept anything less. Right. We've done gamification in our programs and that's been, took a while to convince my dad to do some gamification in our advisor training. He even actually forgot to do it. I don't think he forgot, but we're like halfway through a day that we're doing training. I'm like, you're not doing the points. You're not doing the gamification. So we have our advisors compete on different challenges and not only the things that we need them to do, like turn in your numbers, report your numbers, make sure you're doing the regular stuff that we would normally be doing. They earn points for, um, but also the fun stuff. So like we would take them ax throwing and the teams would compete and they'd earn the same number of points. And so what it does is it combines the fun stuff with the, the habitual stuff and it creates a game out of doing the regular things we need them to do yeah. so that they build that habit. They grow on that and they learn competency through this game rather than the grind. I got to stop you for a minute. I thought of the word activity. If we're going to go to axe throwing or maybe we'll go bowling together, that to me is an activity. Yeah. But inside of the point earning system in the company, uh -huh. everything that we do as a team, as an individual earns points. So the way that we ran it and we're doing a new version come January when we've got this new group of advisors is that the whole scope of the program, you have what's called an advisor score. Okay. And they earn points for turning in their numbers earn points for improving their different margins. Okay. And then they earn points for asking questions, engaging in the activities that we have. And that's experiential stuff. That's also like we do phone training and we do record calls and, and all that. So turning in the things we need to hear as coaches to say, Hey, I need to hear yeah, phone yeah, calls. Yeah. And, and then when we get them together in a community, we have them compete and do things like ax throwing where they earn more advisor score points for winning the ax throwing. So there's an individual point score. There's also a team point score. There's monthly challenges, quarterly challenges, and those challenges are based on what we've seen on their data points to say, hey, we know that the majority of our advisors right now are struggling with, let's say, parts margin. Okay, So over the next month, we're going to look at increase in parts margin, and that's going to be the challenge for the month. And so the advisor teams will compete to improve their parts margin. We give them education. We give them training on how to do that. Yeah. And then they're watching the score to see, oh, yellow team's beating us a little bit, or, you know. All right, so wait a minute, I gotta stop for a moment. I have to understand, <laughs> because you say yellow team, green team, red team, you're talking about having the service advisors from your clients in this group. Yep. Ah, so, yeah, yeah, sorry, so, so that, that's okay. make that clear. Because I was really trying to figure out if I was a single shop owner yep. and I had one service advisor on my counter, I could still do a gamification for that individual. You totally can. Yeah, okay, yeah. you don't have to have yellow team, you just have to have this individual earning points and sure that you have the right reach goals set yep. up. And let's talk about a few. I mean, you mentioned a few, you know, margins reporting. What about closing DVI presentations? And oh, yeah. Oh, everything, yeah. All everything's in there. All of that. And the cool thing is, is the system we have for it is that we can go and plug in whatever we want to plug in. Okay, so, so if, I, if I was a client, single yeah. shop, I got six employees, one service advisor. Can I be on your portal and use your gamification software to help track our points? Yeah, of course. Any advisor that's in there, so even if it's a single guy yeah. or gal, they'll be in with a team that we have from oh, other shops. I see. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. And the benefit there is, so like a lot of people have tried to do, let's take for instance, the pay, like a, a joint, like a team pay bonus. All right. Okay. Yeah. That doesn't work if you only do that. 
and I'm getting in the weeds here, but if you have an individual element and a team element where they can still earn a bonus on their individual performance and earn an additional bonus with the team that's performed well, then it becomes more viable because they're not just relying on the team itself, but the team becomes less stressed because if somebody's bogging down the team, not everyone's going to lose, so to speak. I got it. There's a, there's a lot to this, and I know I've just literally just scraped the top of this. but So operational management, technicians, yep. everything can be gamified. Easily. You just pair it up with the metrics. You want to reward the behavior you want to see. Yeah. You never want to punish if you can help it. Some people need disciplinary action and you, you have to do some of that. But for the most part, you incentivize the behavior you want to see. Yeah. And you can do that through a gamified program. I've set it up for a couple other businesses outside this industry. Um, I think we did like a golf tournament for a charity at one point. Um, that's when I was doing my side stuff. But it just makes it fun. It makes the grind a game. So how is it being uh, a son of boss? Uh, you know, it's just your dad's a larger than life kind of guy. So well known in the industry, outspoken, passionate. Your goal isn't to be like your dad. Your goal is to be Kent. Yep. But you've got this individual that you can learn from and emulate from. Tell us a little bit about how you see you growing in the business. For myself, I definitely think I'm probably going to be speaking more often. I didn't know if that was a way I was going to take. I don't coach and consult anymore. I've had clients, but you know, my position in our company, I can affect more change if I focus on other things, yeah. you know, like an owner of a business, I can't be a technician. Okay. Right. So we've moved them over to some of our other incredibly talented coaches and, yeah. and consultants. My role is really just to grow the Institute and our mission, you know, bringing as many shops up to the top as we can. And so I'm going to be doing more partnerships. I'm going to be reaching out to the industry. I'm going to find opportunities like you know, things like we're doing with camp where we can start to make really impactful change. Is it that you are seizing opportunity in the company and dad's just giving you the rope or do you sit down and say, hey, dad, I'd like to do this. And the reason I'm asking is there's a ton of people out there that are sons of bosses. Yeah, it could be in struggle <laughs> mode. He's going to kill me for this. Sometimes you have to ask for forgiveness rather than permission. But. I've taken my dad for granted more times than I'd like to admit. The value of that experience that he has, I'm at a point now where I understand it, but yeah. there was a lot of times where I didn't, I didn't take it. I took it for granted. I was like, no, nah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's old. He's, I'm young and dumb and naive, and I didn't realize how much what he had to say had value. Does your dad ever come to you with an idea that you say, no, dad, it's just not the right thing to do? Do you ever tell him <laughs> that his ideas He's, aren't? So you know my dad. He's a doer. So he goes, we should do this. And I go, hold on. I'm a C personality. So I'm like, okay, let's take some things into account. And he goes, why are you telling me we can't do it? I said, no, no I didn't say we can't do it. I just said, let's think about this. We do bicker, but you know, it's all in the right direction. Both of us are trying to do what's best for the industry, right? Do what's right. And so we have those spats every now and then. But he does come to me. He goes, I have an idea. I remember we were driving back from the, the airport. It's about an hour, 45 minutes from where we're at. And we're driving back after a show. And we, he was, we were talking about, hey, we need movement. You know, what do we do? And he goes, you know, if we just did this, if we just asked people to raise their you know, labor rates, and, but we use the money in a very specific way. And so we just kind of spitballed it. Okay. And he just ran through and I said, yeah, yeah. Well, what if we, you know, and then he writes this white paper and now it's got movement. Yeah. There's a lot of benefits to collaborating with 
your parents. If you can't do that, if you can't be open and honest and say, hey, I've got this idea and be willing to take criticism, then it's not going to move anything. Do you let them win a couple of times? No, never. Oh. No, it's really cool when you actually do get to see projects that you collaborated on work yeah. through some spats and through some, you know, yeah. all of that. But it's very cool. It's very cool. So do you like training? I love it. So I have really bad social anxiety going into crowds and all that. I have really bad anxiety, um, generalized anxiety disorder, all that. And so I'm terrified and I've been a performer, but I'm terrified up there until we get into it. And then I get to actually share all this stuff and people are engaged and we're having conversations and the audience brings you in, don't they? I mean, you look at that, you get the, this internal quiet zoned feedback and gains you your self-assurance along the way. And I always look for that every time I ever went out and you talk about, you know, when you teach, you learn. Oh yeah. It's so cool. You get into that teach you're learning. And at the same time you're teaching and you're animated and you're looking at people there's this other sheet of paper in the back of your mind says, I have to fix that, do that better. Because as you're dealing with your slides, your props, your people's, your passion, you're learning. And I'm sure this is true. You never give the same training seminar twice. No, 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 no. It changes depending on who you're working with. You know, I was talking to somebody about dealing with the crowd and like, oh, it's really, you know, sometimes it gets quiet and they don't talk. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Because I will go and I will grab people and say, hey, what do you think? I want your input. I need you here for this conversation. And so I've done uh, things where I've had the class. I said, no more tables. Let's move into chairs. Let's go in circles. We got to get this going because if you're here and you're just going to sit there and listen and you're going to, you have to engage. You have to engage. Otherwise, it's not going to be worth it to you. And you paid the money. You're spending the time. And so I always have a lot of fun in my class. I said, let's, let's go. Let's do something. Good for you. Young man, a member of the kids table group. It's going to stick. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was going to say the Cool Kids Club, but if I did that, Tracy would look funny at me. Kids table. It's the kids table. Kids table. Period. The kids table. Yeah. All right. So uh, let me. We have the plastic forks. I'm telling you. And the paper plates. (laughs) Listen, I'm telling you what to do. I want to be. Oh, that's funny. I want to be your senior member who will help share your story here on the podcast. So you two have to promise me that no longer before the summit, before the summit, before the end of January, that we get the kids table on a show. We'll virtually record it. You guys will get together, whoever you want to invite. And then I'm going to ask the tough questions. What are you guys going to do to reshape our industry and or to engage more people or to show our father, wise old owl, owl people that we can take on more responsibility. I think that would be the coolest series to create. I'm down. Yeah. You ready, Trace? All right. I'm very Thumbs down up. for that. Uh, Kent Bullard, COO. Good to be here. Thanks for the, uh, wow, the uh, incredible episode. We covered a lot of stuff. Yeah, sorry. No, I'm uh, sorry, too. There wasn't a dry eye in the room here a little while back. If Tracy edited that pause out, you would never would have known, but I just broke the just code. The title of the episode, just spilt milk. We just kind of went all over. <laughs> yes, we you did. Know. Yeah. And to me, I think those are fun podcasts to listen to. Thanks, Ken. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time...